the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. We've got... Our buddy Bob Zadek to join us. Now, typically I introduce Bob as one of the leading experts in the United States Constitution, the host of the longest-running libertarian talk show in the country, best-selling author, all those good things. You may not be aware that in addition to all of that, Bob is also an expert in commercial finance. He is both a lawyer and a CPA, and on this topic in particular, probably one of the best prepared minds to help us understand exactly what's going on with inflation. And the big question we're all wondering, how long will it last? Bob, as always, a privilege to have you join us. Craig, with that glowing introduction, I almost was going to hang up and pretend I had a bad connection, because I'll never live up to that billing you gave me, but I'll sure do my best. Uh, I'll try to do that. I, so I, thank I, you very much for that very generous introduction. I, I believe, in fact, you will, you will not only meet but exceed expectations. Now, Bob, let's talk about this. We've been hearing the word inflation bantied about in the news media for quite some time. As I indicate, anyone who's been to the grocery store or the pump lately has seen a significant uptick. But all of this... All of this is not necessarily what it appears to be on the surface. And by that, I mean this, that a lot of people believe, and perhaps falsely so, that inflation is a result of a widening gap between supply and demand. We're hearing that, well, manufacturing was slowed because of COVID, and now the people are back to work and out and about. Their demand for services and goods is back to normal, and yet the supply chain has not been able to to meet that demand. Now, my understanding Understanding is that is somewhat of a rickety uh, definition, if not altogether inaccurate, because at the end of the day, a lot of this inflation that we're experiencing really goes back to an issue of, of, of money supply and not necessarily a decrease in goods supply. Is that accurate? It's 100% accurate, Craig, and it's a very, we start with a very simple principle, a principle that Everybody listening to this show um, will experience hourly in their lives. And that is uh, in the core relationship between supply and demand. If anything is plentiful and easy to acquire, it's inexpensive. We all know that. If something is scarce and less available, it costs more because more people want it than the it is, than the quantity of things that are there around. More people want it. Therefore, if I want it and you want it, 
and there's only enough for one of us to be satisfied, what happens? I go to the seller and I say, whatever Craig will pay you, I'll pay you $5 more, because I really want it. And Craig says, no, I really, really, triple really want it, and you offer more. What happens? To the seller, the price has gone up. He has the same commodity offering for sale, but because he can't satisfy everybody's demand, the people who want it more will pay more, and thus the demand uh, for a product uh, influences and affects its price. Well, very obvious. We all know that from the first time we had a lemonade stand in the street. So we know that. that that's it. We just know it. Now, what about money? Well, money is the same thing. You use the phrase money supply. The more money that's in there, the more money that's in the system, the bigger the supply. Therefore, the value goes down because it's easier to get. There's more of it. So when the Treasury, where the go- I'll just say the government, before we drill down too much between the Federal Reserve and the Treasury, the, the government, which is the only entity that lawful that creates lawful ten- tender, when it uh, puts money into the economy, there's more of it. Therefore, a dollar is worth less, which means a dollar buys less, which means you need more dollars to bu- to acquire what you tomorrow what you used to acquire for less dollars today it's all so darn simple and if the government pulls money out of the economy the reverse happens so let's first of all acknowledge that inflation that is the decreased value of a dollar the purchasing power of a dollar is a direct result of decisions made by our leaders in Washington. So it's a government, it's, there are other factors that make it more complex, but certainly we cannot argue with the, the most obvious explanation of monetary policy and what it means to us. Now, if inflation is happening, one could say, well, nobody ought to care because yes, the price of gasoline has gone up, but since the price of everything goes up, that means my salary will go up accordingly, or it'll take more dollars to buy an hour of my time. And that is true in the long run, but not in the short run. It is always lagging. It is easy for the price of gasoline to go up. A seller of gasoline just has to change the dial on the pump. It's kind of easy. It's much harder for you to go to go to visit your employer and say, okay, I would like a 2.16% increase starting tomorrow because to match the one the 2.16 increase in gasoline. Well, we know it doesn't happen that way. Getting a raise is an event that happens infrequently. It doesn't float with Inflation, it doesn't just go up automatically. So the prices go up, respond much quicker to inflationary pressures than does the income part of it. So therefore, wage earners are always trying to catch up during 
inflationary times, and that is what's happening now. So until you do catch up, which you never will, the adverse effect on what things cost will be more immediate than the mitigating effect on what you earn. Ultimately, you'll catch up. You'll get a raise in seven months or whenever your salary is reviewed, and you'll be kind of caught up. But by that time, you will have caught up to inflation that was six months ago. You're always behind. So therefore, what have we concluded? We've concluded that the effect of inflation hits those people whose income is kind of fixed. Now, everybody's salary is fixed. It doesn't go up. It doesn't float with the prime rate. It doesn't go up with inflation. It's kind of fixed, except every once in a while it goes up. But until it goes up, it's fixed. Therefore, you're always behind the eight ball. Now, what does that really mean, and why does government tolerate it? Of course, inflation operates, if you're the government, exactly the way a tax increase operates, except you don't get voted out of office as you would for a tax increase. So inflation is, if you're a politician, a painless tax increase. Why is it like a tax? Because when a government puts, how does the government put money into the marketplace? Well, primarily it does by, by borrowing. It borrows money and um, and money uh, goes into the marketplace, uh, which means the government, in effect, gets an immediate benefit to pay back later when the debt becomes due. So the government is borrowing against the future, and when it pays back the money that it borrows, it pays it back with dollars that are worth less. So the government, in effect, borrows 100 cents and pays back 98 cents. That's a good deal. Thus, government gets the benefit of the money, but not the, the, the ballot box detriment of being voted out as they would with a tax increase. So governments kind of, putting aside the voters, governments kind of benefit from inflation. They are the beneficiaries. That is why, uh, and it's a byproduct of government policy. So if you want to know what's causing inflation, it's not being caused by shortages. A shortage, the so-called supply chain breakdown, that affects certain commodities, but not everything. When government's monetary policy causes inflation, it affects everything. Well, of course, the irony here, too, was that typically, and this is just good old-fashioned American uh, consumerism and capitalism, that when we see there is an increased demand for something, the smart business person, the smart entrepreneur says, gee, I'm looking at the lines going out the door from the hamburger stand on that corner. They can't meet the demand. I'm going to open one down the street, and I'm going to give people an alternative. And so typically, business is able to step in when it notices an uptick in demand and address it to meet that demand and therefore have a profit factor. But the other issue here, and I want to really unpack this when we come back after the break, and that is this notion that so much of this is being driven by the government, the injection of money into the system through stimulus money four times over maybe. During the COVID period, the unemployment bonus, the Fed buying up bonds, 
quantitative easing version two, coupled with low, low prime rates. I think today I saw the lending rate for a mortgage at 3.25%. So what, what must be the bank's pain in the overnight? Half of that? Less than that? No. In fact, I think it's, uh, it's sitting at uh, 0 to 0.25 basis points. So money is cheap. Money is plentiful. Money is being floated, uh, being flowed into the market at alarming rates. And guess where a lot of the responsibility of this sits? Squarely on the shoulders of the government, whose answer is, let's go spend more money. <laughs> we'll talk about why that's really bad policy and pretty bad when it comes to trying to, quote unquote, control inflation as our conversation with an expert in commercial finance, lawyer, CPA, syndicated talk show host, best-selling book author, Bob Zadek. Our conversation with Mr. Zadek continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. There's nothing federal about the Federal Reserve, meaning that it is not a branch of the government. While its chair may be appointed by the president, um, they basically operate independently. We're probably one of the few countries, maybe Bob can address this, probably one of the few countries that has no central bank. So we allow the, the Federal Reserve to set monetary policy. And during times of inflation, one of the tools that they have at their disposal Disposal is to deal with the issue of lending rates, the overnight lending rate. This is what banks pay to borrow money um, and make adjustments there. The problem, of course, is that we've seen almost a habitual, uh, you know, procedure policy here since 2009 to maintain the lending rate so incredibly artificially low as to supercharge the amount of money that's in circulation, cheap money, more of it, that now puts the Fed in a very precarious position because one of the key tools that they typically historically have at their disposal to help address some of these leading and lagging um, uh, factors, well, essentially, they took it away from themselves. So, Bob Zadek, maybe you can touch on that point, address that point, along with this idea that how much of this is really artificially created by both government and Fed money policy? Well, artificial is an interesting word. Money is artificial. We have what's called fiat money. That is to say, um, we are required as a matter of law of if somebody wants to purchase something, we are required to accept in exchange dollars as legal tender. You must accept it. Now, what if it? So therefore, you are required to, if you will, put wealth or carry some of your wealth in the form of dollars, which means if the dollar is worth less tomorrow, it's like the government requiring you to buy a stock that because of government policy is gonna go down in value. It's the same thing because the money has no intrinsic value. 
It's not like gold itself, which can be made into jewelry or into uh, electronic gear or the like. Gold has a utilitarian value. Land has a utilitarian value. You can grow crops on it. You can rent it out. It has a utilitarian value. Money, the only value is when you accept coin or currency, when you accept money, you're doing so only on the assumption that somebody else tomorrow will accept the same dollar when you want to use that in payment. But if everybody decides that the dollar isn't worth much anymore, the music has stopped and you get no chair because there's no intrinsic value. Food, water has a value. You can eat it and drink it. Money has no value other than the hope that somebody else will accept it. And when people stop accepting it, the money is worth less and we have inflation. And Craig, when we talk about inflation, it is really important for our audience to understand that when the government adopts a policy that will predictably cause inflation to occur, money to be the same dollar to have less purchasing power tomorrow than it does today, when the government is doing that, it is doing, and it's a phrase we hear all the time, picking winners and losers. Let me explain. I choose to put my retirement money into security, stocks, stocks issued by well-capitalized companies. Now, therefore, if I have my wealth in stocks, if inflation occurs, stocks would change value moment by moment. Stocks will automatically go up in value as inflation increases, because if it's worth one dollar in 2021 dollars and that dollar has less purchasing power that same stock is going to be worth a dollar and 20 cents so owning stocks is an automatic hedge against inflation so i say to myself insofar as my portfolio is concerned i'm kind of immune from the ravages of inflation but but what if I was a retiree? My income is in a pension, and often pensions are established in dollars. You get $5,000 a month, and that's not automatically pegged to inflation. So $5,000 a month in 2000 is worth less than $5,000 a month in 2021, which means there's a winner, Bob, and perhaps Craig, who own stocks, and there is a loser, the pensioner who has a fixed income, or the pensioner who is living off bonds, where the interest you get paid is fixed. So the very fact of inflation hurts those people whose income is fixed or relatively fixed and benefits, or at least doesn't hurt, those people who have 
assets or income that moves more directly with inflationary effect. So the government is beating the heck, financially speaking, out of those on a fixed income, Social Security and pensions. Now, yes, Craig, you started the show by mentioning Social Security is adjusted for cost of living. And yes, it is, but only partially and it trails. It's adjusted once a year, which means you suffer 11 months of devaluing uh, Social Security, and then you catch up only to start again being behind the eight ball for the next 11 months till you catch up. And of course, what's problematic there, too, that a lot of folks are not aware of is that the calculations, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think during the... Obama administration, the calculations were changed to eliminate out of all of the the um, uh, categories that they look at when they factor in what inflation is going to look like. They have eliminated food and fuel from that list, which right now, as we're seeing, driving a lot of the inflationary uh, prices that we're, we're experiencing. So I, I guess if you're retired on a fixed income and don't eat or don't go anywhere, you're, you're probably <laughs> happy for the the 5.9%, but as to the rest of us, you're in trouble. Therefore, so therefore, uh, what have we learned so far, even on the few minutes we've discussed it? We've learned that when you read about inflation taking place in the economy, you can tell whether you're a winner or a loser or relatively unaffected by it. You, so you will know that. And if you are a loser, it is the exact same thing as somebody imposed a 6% tax increase on you without your elected representatives even voting upon it. And you can say, there was, this is just a tax increase. And remember, oh, uh, President Biden said, I'm not going to raise the taxes on people making less than $400,000. But he didn't say, I'm not going to indirectly tax them by causing inflation to occur. And inflation, it's not. And the phrase inflation occurring is a phrase I try not to use, even though I just did. Why do I not use it? Because it sounds like it just happens, like a hurricane happens. No, inflation is predictable, intentional, and the result of conscious government policy. It's like when a politician says, well, when he messes up, he says, well, Mistakes have happened. Errors were made. Not, I made a mistake. Errors were made as if it was made by somebody in the ether. Inflation doesn't happen. It is a government policy as conscious as a tax increase. And elected officials in the executive branch are directly responsible for inflation. They can't walk around as if they are victims like everybody else. No, they are the perpetrators.
treated. Well, and the other issue here at hand, and you've kind of touched on this, and maybe you can dive in a bit deeper when we come back after the break, and that is not only the notion that this is something that occurs, like turning on a light switch, but also this notion, and we've heard this phraseology used quite a bit, and I don't really recall past administrations uh, from moments of inflation during the Reagan years to even hyperinflation during the Carter years to ever suggest that this was a quote-unquote transitory event, suggesting that somehow, yeah, it happens, but it'll disappear really quickly. Uh, We're discovering in our conversation tonight with Bob Zadek, who, in addition to his background as an author and talk show host, uh, works in the commercial finance space. He's also coincidentally a lawyer and a certified public accountant that this leading and lagging uh, aspect to money is, is suggestive that it, while inflation does not occur overnight but rather slowly creeps in, also the easing of inflation does not occur overnight but it slowly creeps back out again. So are we being sold a, good of, a bill of goods when the president says he's working hard on reducing inflation or that this is just something that is quote-unquote transitory we'll get to that part of the equation <laughs> our visit with bob zadek continues by the way information on the web bobzadek.com b-o-b-z-a-d-e-k his program the bob zadek show heard sunday mornings at 8 a.m on our sister station 860 a.m the answer it is must tune in radio the bob zadek show And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Does history support the notion that there's much, if at all, that can be done by a president to try to address inflation? If so, you know, Jimmy Carter might have had himself a second term if that were the case. Well, inflation, um, the president doesn't have a lot of tools in his or her toolbox to deal with inflation directly. Um, That's because um, inflation, um, the Federal Reserve, which basically manages monetary policy, is and has been since its establishment in 1913 um, on Jekyll Island in Georgia. A wonderful book on the history of the Fed is called The Devil of Jekyll Island, a scary title, uh, but apt, no doubt, nevertheless. So the Federal Reserve is structurally independent of the president, although the president gets to appoint the chairman of the Federal Reserve, but once appointed, the chairman is supposed to act independently. So the president, other than persuasive powers, doesn't control monetary policy. Um, So the president doesn't have a lot of tools in the toolbox that can directly, by fiat, by executive order, if you will, change the trajectory of inflation. And by the way, Craig, before we run out of time, there's another rather insidious byproduct of inflation. We have talked about increasing the price of things because the dollar is worth less. Well, in our economy, lots of businesses 
will use inflation as a cover to increase prices that they otherwise might have resistance to. So if you were selling a consumer good breakfast cereal to pick one totally at random, uh, and you kind of would like to increase your bottom line profits, what better time to increase the cost of your product by four or five or six percent? Nobody would complain because they just assume it's a result of inflation. But in reality, it's just a question of you're making more profit on the same product. So are there some and companies, so, Bob, that right now are doing that to kind of make up for the losses of 2020? Are because why wouldn't you? In fact, it's probably management malpractice not to. If you could increase your increase your selling price without being punished by consumers, you have to be crazy not to do it. But a consumer can't tell how much of the increased cost of gasoline is directly the result of inflation and how much is a decision made in the boardroom, hey, let's use this as cover to make more profit. It's just, it's the way management ought to work. So we have that going on, which means the price of goods and services to some degree, not measurable, but it's real, is higher because of businesses using the cover of inflation to bury m modest price increases. And remember, the cost of 1% or 2% of the product by a company has a profound effect in dollars on the bottom line. Oh my goodness, management looks like heroes. And all they've done is hide behind the cover of inflation compliments of the government. It's like using smoke to hide. You blow smoke and then you hide in the smoke and nobody can find you. Uh, so there you have it. Yet another detriment uh, of inflationary um, spirals in the country. Well, and the interesting thing is that I, I fear the current administration may be blowing a little bit of smoke trying to hide in, in all of that, but reality is catching up, and as we've learned from Bob Zadek today, printing more money, flooding more money into the system is not going to make inflation begin to disappear, but rather has the greater potentiality to just exacerbate a bad situation, making the bad even worse. Bob Zadek unpacks these issues and many more every Sunday morning on his syndicated talk show, The Bob Zadek Show, heard locally here in the San Francisco Bay Area on 860 AM, The Answer. We invite you to check that out. Details and resources available on the web at bobzadek.com. That's B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Hey, a pleasant good afternoon. 
afternoon to you, just about six minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. on this 28th day of October. Craig Roberts in your ear and on your radio as we welcome you into another edition of Lifeline. We're here each Monday through Friday from 5 until 7 p.m. addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Well, today in studio with me, a dear friend, a very special guest, and it's always a wonderful time when we get a chance to come together. You know, the scripture tells us that wherever two or more are are gathered together, I'm there in their midst. The presence of the Lord is there. And it's always delightful to spend some time with Bishop Bob Jackson, founding pastor, senior pastor of Axeful Gospel Church of God in Christ in Oakland, because uh, he not only brings a good message from the word, uh, the Holy Spirit accompanies this man no matter where he travels. And uh, Bishop Bob is always a delight to have you with us today in studio. Thank you, Craig Roberts. It's always a delight to be here with you as well. Now, I, I just for full disclosure for our listeners, uh, you came in tonight and said, "Well, what, what's on the agenda?" And I showed you, <laughs> I showed you my my notepad here that has copious details on it, none of which is legible. Not because I've got poor handwriting, though I do, but because there's nothing on this. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit lead the conversation, and I think some of the best times we've had together is just doing that, just letting God be God. I think it's the only times we've had together. That's right. <laughs> Every time we started out with a subject or a topic. Rare, rarely is there an agenda, that's for sure. God, God we, ended we up like it just like that. Absolutely. Yes. Well, let's, uh, let's kind of start first with uh, boy, what's going on. Last time you and I saw each other, there has since been an election a pandemic, an economic downturn, ongoing violence on the streets of Oakland. You know, Scripture talks about, especially when you get into the book of of Revelation, that there would come a time when you would hear about wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places, that the point would come when men's hearts would fail within them for fear. And I know some older saints that have been around for a long time can point to different periods of time when they felt as if, okay, I think this is it. I think that we are imminently seeing Christ's return. And while perhaps historically none of that has come to fruition, I know this to a certainty, we're one day closer today than we were yesterday. And that sense of urgency just, you know, you begin to feel it within your spirit. You just feel as if this is a serious time. It's a worryful time, but it's also a unique time for the church. It's a certainly a unique time for the church, and we have an opportunity to win souls to the Lord Jesus Christ like never before, Craig. The, the ironic thing about that is it's not happening. And I think, I'm sorry to say it like this, but I think there's so many Christians, pastors, elders, evangelists, missionaries, apostles, prophets, whomever, whatever, the titles or whatever, they just simply don't know how to lead a sinner to Christ. Mm. I really think that it, I know people say, oh, no, people know how to lead. I said, no, because if we did really know how to lead a sinner to Christ, we would be doing it every day. Three things we'd be working on. We'd be working on living holy, working on walking in love, and working on winning all the souls we can to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's pretty much the mandate, really, for Christianity, if you're really going to be a Christian. Go and make disciples. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
Well, he's not talking about some of the preaching you hear today. I know I'm getting ready for good trouble. <laughs> but I want to tell you, some of that stuff you hear today, it tickles the ear, makes you feel real good, but does absolutely nothing, nothing for your soul or causing yeah. people to be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't even talk about the Holy Spirit anymore. I mean, it, it's a shame. Where's the signs? Where are the wonders? Where are people getting saved? Where is the church mobilized to go into a sinful world like we see today, especially in America, getting more and more sinful every day? These politicians and these, oh, I'm probably in trouble. Politicians and leaders out there now, even church leaders, are going along with everything. They're legislating morality when God already said what morality was in his holy word. So what are we preaching? What are we teaching? What are the, what? I, I'm really having a hard time with it, Greg, because... Well, and understandably so. And, 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 you know, just out of your brief observation, a couple of thoughts that maybe you can expand upon. One is this notion of legislative morality. I mean, well, we just pass one more law, come up with one more regulation that will change things. We were talking earlier off the air about some of the homicides in your home community of Oakland. Too many, much too many. And there was just a shooting at a shopping mall in Ohio a couple of days ago. With the number of mass shootings, meaning two or more people killed in a random attack in the United States, significantly on the increase. And as people talk about, well, we need more gun control, we need more this, we need more rules, we need more laws. I think to myself, you can you can change all the rules and laws you want, but if you don't fundamentally change the heart, it, it's got to be the heart that says that I can pick up a weapon, aim it at another human being, created in the very image and likeness of Jesus Christ, and knowingly squeeze that trigger, knowing that the bullet that flies out of the end is going to take that man or woman's life. How can you say the Spirit of God is within you? It. I'm telling you, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And you see it all the time now, especially with these younger kids coming up. I mean, they have no sense of morality. They have no sense of life and death. They don't, life is not sacred to them a lot, in the, especially in the inner cities. I think we have somewhere around 116 homicides in the city of Oakland right now. And it's mostly these young folks killing each other. I mean, it, it's, it's a war going on with the city, I'm telling you. And if people are not safe in the spirit of fear, like you talked about a little earlier, it's just running rampant. But I think I'm calling it a murdering demon mm. because I think the M.O. of Satan, if you really look at it, the Lord Jesus said Satan comes to steal, steal kill, kill, destroy and destroy. And that's exactly what we're witnessing right now. But here's the great twist to that. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, the Lord Jesus says, In my name you shall cast out devils. So if you know, oh, Greg, come on. Some people say, oh, you really believe that? I believe it with all of my heart. We have pastors that do not believe that we have the authority and the power to cast demonic spirits out look in the name of Jesus. Look at some of the infighting going on in this country right now. And, and I realize that we've got very divided camps, both politically, morally, economically even. I mean, in every regard, we see these divisions. And then we wind up fighting each other. And I often say, wait, wait a minute, though. That other human being, though you might be a Republican and they're a Democrat or vice versa, 
the devil is leading you to think that this is a battle against others, against flesh and blood. But the Bible is very clear. It's not a battle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers in high places. Exactly. Which takes us right back to that passage of Scripture that we need to be concentrating and not casting the Democrats out or the Socialists or the Republicans. Casting out some of these demons that are creating and stirring this pot to begin with, that are creating that spirit of confusion and division. You're absolutely correct. And that you don't hear. You don't hear anybody preaching about that. You don't hear anybody preaching about casting the devils out in the name of Jesus. What would happen if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about denominational churches that men are actually in charge of, but I'm talking about that same one that told Peter in 16th chapter, Matthew, he said, whom do men say that I, the son of man am? And Peter piped up and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he gave a testimony of himself was so powerful. He said, yeah, but flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, thou art Cephas, okay, changed his name from Peter, I mean from Simon to Peter, right? And upon this rock I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he made it very clear that the church belongs to him. Not bishop so-and-so or so-and-so and so my church. No, 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 you have no church. You didn't die on Calvary. You did not die. You didn't suffer and bleed for the stripes on your back for me to be healed. You are not the Christ, the Son of the living God. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And if the body of Christ could ever come together in Jesus' name, and instead of fighting one another and these denominations and begin to fight the demonic spirits that you talked about just now, we could take back authority over this country in the name of Jesus, not fighting with mankind, not fighting with flesh and blood, but with the demonic spirits that's operating with these folks in leadership, making all these great... Do you think you can legislate morality? Do you think you can make a law to cause people to love one another? You can write some stuff to say, we want you to love one. The devil is a liar. You need a heart transfer. You need a heart transplant. The Lord need to take out that stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. You need to be born again and filled with God's Holy Spirit. He said he'll give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. You touched on a moment ago on perhaps what what I'm going to speculate is a fundamental reason why we're experiencing these problems in our culture and our society today and predominantly in our church. But I see we're just at 5.15, so I don't want to interrupt you, Bishop Bob. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to pick up the dialogue exactly where we left off. I have a thought as to what one of the fundamental problems may be. Bishop Bob alluded to it quickly a moment ago, but I want to have him answer the fundamental question and then expound upon this because it may take us to one of the root causes that is then ultimately lying much of what we're seeing going on in our nation today at the very foot of, sadly, not the cross, but of the church, meaning you and me. We'll come back to more of our conversation. Bishop Bob Jackson, senior pastor and founder of Axeville Gospel Church of Oakland, is with us today in studio. We'll take a time out back with more of our dialogue as Lifeline continues. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.